Hey folks, and welcome to this week's podcast. It's Michael Shelley here. Today's guest, Reverend Bill Alpert's PhD, 88 years old. I heard his record, the only record he ever was involved in, and I got on the internet. I found a guy with his name real quickly. It was him, and he was very pleased to hear from me. No one has contacted him in years and years to talk about this record. Uh, so he's had a long career in religion, but it's a short one in pop music making. So we talk about both things here. And I thought it was interesting, especially on Easter weekend. And interestingly, also, it didn't really provoke m- too much feedback from the audience. Some, some, you know, there's always, I always get a few emails or comments, phone calls uh, after an interview and sometimes it's more and sometimes it's less, and I can never predict. It's interesting. I can never predict what will provoke a big reaction. So the history behind this record, I didn't really know until after talking to Bill. In 1967, a guy named Victor Lumberg, who was a uh, a conservative broadcaster in Michigan, wrote put out this song called An Open Letter to My Teenage Son. And it's a you know, Vietnam-era message from older folks saying if you burn and he says I'm paraphrasing if you burn your draft card then burn your your birth certificate because you're not my son anymore and this record which was a huge huge hit sold millions provoked a lot of response records and i think some of those response records were sort of attempts to cash in and some were attempts to rebut the message there's some interesting ones you can go on youtube and watch most of them dick clark did one called an open letter to the older generation which he sort of pleads for tolerance and understanding and our guest, Reverend Bill Alperts, who was very much involved in that scene with young people in Boston at the time. He put one out in early 1968, and uh, you're, you're going to hear both sides of it in, in the podcast today. So there's the story behind it. I think you'll find it interesting. He's an interesting guy. And uh, don't forget, coming up, I've got some interesting things next week. Danny Tedesco, director of the Wrecking Crew movie, will be here. And then the week after that, a live performance from the Cactus Blossoms. And then Amy Rigby's coming up on the show in May. So lots going on. You can always check WFMU.org slash Michael for the full list or the archives for things that you missed. That's it, uh, folks. Hmm, what? That's it. Yeah, that is it. Here is my interview with Reverend Bill Alpert's Ph.D. Dear Dad, the guard brought me a letter today. The guards treat us pretty well in jail here. But once in a while, one of them calls us cowards and communists for burning our draft cards. I'm frightened, Dad. I feel so alone, so empty inside. When I read your letter, the part where you said if, if I burn my draft card... I should burn my birth certificate, too, because I'd, I'd no longer be your son. When I read that, Dad, I cried and cried. What's happened to us, Dad? You and I were never very close. When I was a boy, it seemed like you were always away working. And when you were home, you were usually too busy to have much to do with me. The only time I remember when I felt you really cared for me was that time I got lost in the woods back of the house. Remember? I was seven years old. You came looking for me. And you found me sitting under that big pine tree, scared and sobbing. I still remember the look of relief on your face when you saw me. You came up to me, and there were tears in your eyes. You picked me up and held me tight against you and took me home. I I feel lost now, Dad. 
What's happened to us? We just haven't been able to talk to each other. The older I got, the more you and I ended up arguing when we did try to talk. I always felt that you wanted me to do things your way, but you never understood me or what I wanted. Whenever we disagreed about anything, you would always tell me, I know more about these things than you do. And you usually did. But it was the way you would cut me off with these words instead of trying to understand me. I'm not just blaming you, Dad. Maybe I haven't understood you. Maybe I've taken you for granted. After a while, I began to resent you when you were home. I saw you as someone to get favors from, not to do anything for. You always seemed so sure of yourself, as if nothing bothered you. Maybe you had concerns and problems of your own, but how would I know? I never asked you. You say that Mom loves me no matter what I do because she's a woman. That's just it, Dad. I need you to love me if I'm going to be a man. I've counted on Mom too much in the past. I need to count on you. You say that God is not dead, that God is love. I don't know that much about God. I can't see Him, but I can see you. How can I feel that He's alive and loves me if you don't love me as your son anymore? I'm frightened, Dad. I, I feel so lonely. I burned my draft card and I'm in jail. Well, Reverend Bill Alberts, Ph.D., welcome to the program. I don't think I've ever had a Ph.D. uh, on the show before. Most rock stars are not Ph.D.s, but uh, you are sort of an unlikely piece of of rock history for this double-sided record on Date Records. It's from 1968, and we just heard right there the the, uh, A-side, I believe, Robert Hampkins, A Teenage Son's Open Letter to His Father, which is written and produced by you. Uh, How did, I mean, you've had a long career in the field of religion. How did trying to bring your message into popular music. How did this happen? Well, at that time, that was in 1968, almost 50 years ago. And uh, at that time, I was minister of the Community Church of Boston. And, of course, the Vietnam War was going on. And also, there was a large influx of hippies, uh, so-called hippies, to the Boston Common. And my church was near the Boston Common. So uh, I was quite involved with both scenes, with the Vietnam War and the uh, the anti-Vietnam War and and the so-called hippie scene and the common. And, and the mission of my church was to respond to the needs of the people. And there were a whole bunch of young people showing up, a number of them anti-war. And it seemed to me that uh, it became important to understand their reality, what was important to them. So I raised that question, who's alienated from whom? And I, I did a piece on that. I'm I'm a writer, too, which appeared in the Boston Sunday Herald uh, magazine. But it shifted the focus from uh, putting the onus on the young people to where they were really coming from and, and their reality and some of their values, which were anti-war. And the church I was involved in was 
just down the street from the federal building. And my church became a medical legal information center uh, for anti-war demonstrations. So I was quite involved in that, uh, in that scene. And, and I got arrested at one point uh, uh, in an anti-war demonstration. So the, the, uh, the, the song came out of that kind of setting. And it it uh, it it became one where the challenge was for from a religious point of view of 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 seeing a God who's big enough to love everybody. And I it's interesting. I'm fascinated that you got in touch with me after all these years. I'm interested in the history of this record because after 1973, I heard no more about it. Uh, it was a, a contract with Columbia on the date label and they gave me $1,000. And then after uh, royalties were supposed to kick in after the the $1,000 were made up, but I never heard anything after that. So I'm, I'm delighted that you're playing the record, and I know some some other people are are playing it. Yeah, you mentioned it, it, Date Records is a subsidiary of Columbia. They had the zombies on that label, so it was definitely a real player. How did uh, you get in touch with them, or they get in touch with well, you? Well, I... Uh... Yeah, there was, by the way, there was a man named Victor Lomberg who wrote a bestseller called uh, Father's Letter to His Teenage Son. And that got quite a play. It sold a lot of records, and it led to people like me uh, writing a response. That was part of what prompted the uh, the response. And uh, so I I wrote the response... And I had it recorded, and a couple of radio stations played it, and it got quite a nice response from people. So I contacted Columbia. I even drove to New York from Boston and, and met with an executive of Columbia. I had sent the record, and it seemed like his daughter listened to it and liked it. Anyway, that led to a contract with, with Columbia on the date label. And I, I still have the, the contract, but I, again, after 73, it's six years later, uh, it all disappeared, and I went in another direction myself. I never heard about it until somebody was uh, doing a class action lawsuit against uh, Columbia for uh, not giving royalties to uh, artists. And uh, I was involved in that and sent a letter to the person who was heading that up and uh, got one response but never heard after that. Do you have any idea how many copies the 45 ended up selling? I have no idea. That's it. I I have no idea how many copies were sold. When I got your email, I went back to the record uh, after you sent me the the link to it. And I, I loved the ending because that's, that's really my theology, which has led me uh, these almost 50 years, and that is that we need a God who's big enough to care for all his children and who can get all his children to care for each other. And uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm about and yeah. have been all that time. 
I was reading some of your recent writings, and yeah, I was amazed how consistent your message is, and how uh, you know the, the A side of the record is from the point of view of this teenage uh, uh, boy who's in jail for burning his draft card, and his father's written him a letter saying that he basically disowns him, and uh, but his father invokes God, and then the, and the son thinks, well, how can God love me when you can't love me, and you're yeah. my father, you know? And it is an interesting message. Were you seeing things uh, in the community, on the streets? Were you seeing this play out? Oh, yes. I was seeing it in my street work with the young people. So do the do the other folks in other parts of the clergy not not happy with you? I, I mean, I can't imagine the reaction to this uh, and the B-side, Oh God, which is sort of an open letter to God, basically calling for what you've just said, for God to be a God to all people. I can't imagine a, a 100% positive feedback from this. No, no, there wasn't. In fact, uh, I applied that not just to the so-called hippies then, but to the gay community. There were two members of my church, more than two, but two who were gay, who had been theological students at Boston University School of Theology. And I performed their wedding in 1973. And that led to my forced retirement from the United Methodist Ministry. Uh, because the Methodist position is that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. I believe the Methodist uh, church is incompatible with humanity as far as that is concerned. But so the, the issues move from, from, uh, so-called hippies to black people, uh, uh, to, to the, uh, Vietnam War. And then they just keep moving on because, uh, there are groups of people who continue to be oppressed. And, uh, I saw my ministry as one of, as seeking to liberate people. So the, the challenge is to focus on uh, injustices. But what the point is that we need a God big enough to love everybody. And we need a God big enough to uh, get people to love each other. And that's where I'm coming from. And that's been part of my history. Let me remind everybody, we're talking to Reverend Bill Alberts, Ph.D., and we sort of started talking about uh, his record. Uh, let's get back to that for a minute. You, you mentioned uh, Robert Tampkin. He does the uh, he 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 reads the the sons part on the A side of the record. He definitely has a little bit of a Boston accent, which is interesting. And and both sides of the record have uh, very very sort of a '60s backing music. One of them is kind of go go music, and one of them is sort of a little bit softer. Where did the music come from? Uh, there, there's a guy in Dorchester up here, that's a part of Greater Boston, who has a a, a recording studio, and I paid him to uh, produce the record. So I went to the studio. Bobby Tampkin went to the studio, and and uh, Joe Saya, that's his name, Joe Saya, S-A-I-A, uh, had the recording studio, and he produced the music. Mm. And it is the '60s. It's like I'm I'm listening to this, and it says uh, certain images of God that need to go like the ghetto god who keeps his white and negro children from each other. Well, at that time, I was using the word negro. I would never use that today. It's black people, people of color. It's what people call themselves. You honor people by calling them by their own names, how they are identify themselves. 
and you, it becomes so important uh, in honoring people to call them by their own names. But yeah, that's a 60s kind of thing. The thing that struck me about that was the American God, because that God still now is, it's, I'd call it the American ex, American exceptionalism God. And, and these, these other gods, these images, are, are very much present. The, the homophobic god, the chosen people god, uh, the white heterosexual god, whatever. Uh, did this work? Did you ever get uh, fan mail from, uh, or mail from, uh, I don't know, the older generation who said, thanks, you helped me understand my kids, or, or from younger generation who said, thanks, you helped bridge the gap? Did you ever, did, did you ever get that firsthand feedback? I did. I got, uh, I got a lot of feedback. Young people especially uh, were appreciative of it. And I think I got some from older people, too. Because the aim of of that record was to seek to deal with the generation gap. Uh, so the the other side of the record, the the side that 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 features your voice, uh, "Hey God," it's an open letter to God, and you sort of urge God to get with it and take it take care of all His children. So you're sort of using '60s vernacular and trying to appeal to a, a certain audience, but it's it's very real. Your tone of voice is sort of hard to figure out. It's hard to figure out. You're sort of challenging God. It, it's kind of a you know a, a ballsy thing uh, on your part. Uh, you, is that? I mean, but it sounds like that you're very comfortable with that relationship with God. I, I am, and I'm very comfortable in that role. Uh, yeah, I've. That's interesting. I've. There's Hey God, the, the record, and then I did this article. Which you had mentioned called uh, God Who, and then I I did a I I did another article in Counterpunch called God of Our Fathers, American White Christian Imperialistic Heterosexual Male, uh, and then I've done the Bible and the other. Yeah, I've I've been a critic uh, of of these images of. Uh, of God, which I think are sectarian and divisive, and and uh, I end up seeking to challenge uh, people uh, of faith to be more inclusive. Uh, you mentioned uh, Counterpunch. Folks can go to counterpunch.org and find uh, archives of a lot of your your writings and things. Yeah. If if people were to Google my name, Reverend William Alberts. Counterpunch, they would find a whole bunch of articles. Are you one hundred percent sure there is God? Oh, I'm. I'm a. I'm a uh, Michael. I'm a humanist. I'm a humanist. I. Uh, I. I believe that that God is love, and 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 love is universal, and I believe that whenever anybody taps into that, yeah. If we are able to love our children, that they can love themselves, that helps prepare them to better love other people. Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself. Uh, I believe he was a great prophet. I believe there are other great prophets. And I, but I believe that, that God is love. But I don't, I don't find meaning in using the word God to express my personal faith because I'm, I'm more humanistic. One, one may think, well, how can he be a humanist and, and be a hospital chaplain? 
because I respect very much the beliefs of, uh, of, of patients and their families. And I tune into those beliefs and affirm those beliefs. I, I, it depends on what we mean by God, too. I believe that God is love, that love is universal, that it's shared by everybody. And I sought to express that a little earlier around every child everywhere uh, is born and develops and grows. And, and love is what nurtures that child. And you see the relationship between a child and a mother and a father, no matter where they are. And when a child dies, whether it's from a drone uh, uh, warfare or wherever it's from, you see the wailing and the grieving and all that. And that's the expression of love that's very deep uh, in our humanity that's universal. Uh, so let's end this by playing this, uh, what we've been talking about, Hey God, Hey God, by Reverend Bill Alpert's PhD. That's you. Uh, almost like you said, almost 50 years old. And it's amazing how it, it, um, uh, the message is still completely relevant, even though some of the, the sounds are, are slightly dated, but it is, it is getting old at this time, but it's amazing how, uh, how relevant it, it, the message still could be. Yeah, I'm. I'm really pleased you contacted me. That uh, it was delightful to listen to the words again and to to hear that ending and to realize again. Well, hey, uh, that's uh, uh, that's consistent. And then you know, I'm, I'm 88 years old now, and uh, I, I've uh, I've been fortunate. So. Uh, Again, I'm pleased that uh, that we're doing this today. Hey, God. I saw you on TV last night. You were on just before the station signed off with the Star Spangled Banner. You may not like me saying this, God, but the Star Spangled Banner has a higher rating on TV than you do. You've got to do something about your image, God. Some of those ministers, priests, and rabbis are really doing a job on you with their long faces and canned prayers. And that sign you had on TV last night, keep circulating the rumor that God is alive. Really, God, is that the best you can do? Hey, everybody. Have you heard the rumor? God is alive. I know you have problems with the God is dead boys, but that sign isn't going to help your image any. What's killing you is your own irrelevance, not someone else's irreverence. Frankly, God, if you're going to get with it, some images of you need to die. I'm talking about your image as a ghetto god who keeps his white and negro children from each other. Then there's that image of you as a parochial god who plays favorites with his children. And your image as an American god who is always on the right side. Not to mention your image as a stained glass god who doesn't want to look at the suffering and injustice in the world beyond the sanctuary. 
Why even much of your music hurts your image because it's too old for the now beat of life. These images of you have to go, God, if you're going to make it big on TV and in real life. We human beings need a new image of you. We need a God who's with it. Yeah, a God who's big enough to care for all his children and who can get all his children to care for each other. Know what I mean, God? Dear son, you ask my reaction to long hair or beards on young people. Some great men have worn long hair and beards, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. If to you long hair or a beard is a symbol of independence, if you believe in your heart that the principles of this country, our heritage, is worthy of this display of pride that all men shall remain free, that free men at all times will not inflict their personal limitations of achievement on others, to demand your own rights as well as the rights of others and be willing to fight for this right, you have my blessing. You ask that I not judge you merely as a teenager, to judge you on your own personal habits, abilities, and goals. This is a fair request, and I promise I will not judge any person only as a teenager, if you will constantly remind yourself that some of my generation judges people by their race, their belief, or the color of their skin, and that this is no more right than saying all teenagers are drunken dope addicts or glue sniffers. If you will judge every human being on his own individual potential, I will do the same. You ask me if God is dead. This is a question each individual must answer within himself. Could a warm summer day with all its brightness, all its sound, all its exhilarating breathiness just happen? God is love. Remember that God is a guide and not a stormtrooper. Realize that many of the past and present generation, because of a well-intentioned but unjustifiable misconception, have attempted to legislate morality. This created part of the basis for your generation's need to rebel against our society. With this knowledge, perhaps your children will never ask, Is God dead? I sometimes think much of mankind as attempting to work him to death. You ask my opinion of draft card burners. I would answer this way. All past wars have been dirty, unfair, immoral, bloody, and second-guessed. However, history has shown most of them necessary. If you doubt that our free enterprise system in the United States is worth protecting, if you doubt the principles upon which this country was founded, that we remain free, to choose our religion, our individual endeavors, our method of government, if you doubt that each free individual in this great country should reap awards commensurate only with his own efforts, then it's doubtful you belong here. If you doubt that people to govern us should be selected by their desire to allow us to strive for any goal we feel capable of attaining, then it's doubtful you should participate in their selection. If you are not grateful to a country that gave your father the opportunity to work for his family to give you the things you've had, and you do not feel pride enough to fight for your right to continue in this manner, then I assume the blame. 
for your failure to recognize the true value of our birthright. Now, I would remind you that your mother will love you no matter what you do, because she is a woman. And I love you too, son. But I also love our country and the principles for which we stand. And if you decide to burn your draft card, then burn your birth certificate at the same time. From that moment on, I have no son. sound of the teens. It's uptight with pretense, because it knows what it means. What I've learned from my life spent with teens and their songs is, when they ask what's right, we just tell them what's wrong. Since there's no common tongue for adults and for teens, we can't understand what our teenager means. All we do is give thanks that it isn't our child when we read the scare headline that some kids have gone wild. Selling grass in schoolyards. Blame it on the kids. Unwed mothers from broken homes. Blame it on the kids. Riot at the draft board. Blame it on the kids. Old drunk beats his wife up. <laughs> Why not? Blame it on his kids. Blame the kids for acid. Blame the kids for pot. To find the word disaster, some kid like is not. Blame the kids for hippies and for bummer trips. And for dropping out and turning on and on and on and on. Blame the kids. Why not? Blame the kids. Now, let's just stop for a moment and uh, think about the kids we know. You couldn't really call them bad because it isn't so. They go to school each morning and each learns what he can on our overcrowded double session, too few teachers plan. They fall in love, and out of love, and into love again. Swap pins and rings, and promises to love till who knows when. Say, on second thought, our kids all seem to do their thing quite well. So how come we keep hearing that our youth has gone to hell? Who is so afraid of them that we hear this big lie? Who is so afraid of youth, my friend? My friend, it's you and I. They scare us with their questions, with what they want to know. Our answers aren't gospel, just as we say it's so. They know the mess we made of things, and how can we deny it? They search for their solution, though they know we'll never try it. They're not afraid to protest. Free speech begs they should. When they shout that war is bad, and we shout, no, it's good, we cry unpatriotic. And then as if to make us fools, they go and fight and die and leave young blood in foreign pools. And those who live come back to us, forgiving and unbowed. Embrace your sons and daughters now. America, be proud. 